Hello and welcome to the Women Inspire podcast with me, Laura Adams. This is the podcast that inspires us by honouring remarkable women past and present. Women whose achievements have perhaps gone unrecognised, been forgotten or at times completely erased and whose stories are crying out to be told. It's August bank holiday and it's carnival time. The streets of Notting Hill are packed with revellers out to have fun. Floats process and brightly coloured costumes abound as music from the steel bands fills the air and the streets come alive with dancing figures. Rum punch and red stripe are doled out liberally as we enjoy the rich West Indian culture and celebrate life. Until Covid struck last year, Carnival had grown year on year, attracting up to two million visitors and becoming synonymous with British summertime. But how did it begin? Today we look at the life of the mother of Notting Hill Carnival herself, the radical and revolutionary Claudia Jones. Claudia Cumberbatch was born on the 21st of February 1915 in Port of Spain, capital city of the British colony of Trinidad. After the First World War ended, financial upheavals and a drop in the price of cocoa affected the family's income. So in 1922, in the hope of a better life, Claudia's parents emigrated to America. She and her three sisters followed two years later and the family settled in Harlem, New York. Life was not much better in the US. Jobs were limited for people of colour and racism was overt. At the same time, this was the period of the Harlem Renaissance, the artistic explosion amongst black artists considered a golden age in African-American culture, which manifested itself in literature, music, theatre and art. Meanwhile, Claudia's father became editor of a West Indian newspaper and her mother worked in the garment industry. However, when Claudia was just 12 years old, her mother died. Not long after this, the depression hit and her father lost his job. He briefly found work as a furrier and then accepted work as the superintendent of an apartment in Harlem. But the pay was pitiful and times were tough. Claudia, meanwhile, was excelling at school and had been elected mayor of her student body. She was awarded the Theodore Roosevelt Award for Good Citizenship, but the family were by now so poor that she could not attend the junior school graduation as there was no money to pay for her graduation outfit. Their apartment was damp and in 1932 Claudia contracted tuberculosis and had to leave high school for a year to convalesce. The TB caused irreparable lung damage from which she would suffer for the rest of her life and which would lead to lengthy stays in hospital. On graduating she found her career choices were limited. For a time she worked in a laundry but it was high pressured and unbearably hot She moved to a factory and then found work in sales, first in a millinery store and later in a lingerie shop. Around this time, she joined a drama group and began to write a column called Claudia Comments for a Harlem journal. Claudia was politically active from an early age. The communists had emerged in New York and were working hard to fight racism. They understood the power of art and culture to win over the hearts and minds of the people. Claudia was drawn to them. In 1936, she joined the Young Communist League. This was partly due to their opposition to the Italian invasion of Ethiopia. She became involved in the case of the Scottsboro Boys, nine black teenagers who were falsely accused of raping two white women in Alabama, and she wrote legal defence articles about their case. 
She was quickly rising through the ranks and Claudia now made the decision to use the surname Jones as an alias due to her communist activities. She joined the editorial staff of The Daily Worker and by 1938 had become editor of the Weekly Review. She attended rallies and was easily able to hold her own on the podium. During World War II, Claudia became the editor of the communist journal Spotlight and after the war joined several communist organisations. She focused on supporting women, particularly women of colour, and campaigned for job training programmes, equal pay, government controls on food prices and childcare funding. In 1940, she married, though little is known of her husband, Abraham Scholnick, and the marriage was dissolved seven years later. Claudia was a brilliant public speaker. She did not need notes and could speak to an audience of up to 14,000 people, and you could hear a pin drop. Her presence and power was clear to all. The campaign against alleged communists, known as McCarthyism, was underway by the early 1950s. Working-class leaders were being rounded up and taken into custody. Claudia's membership of the Communist Party, along with her skill as an orator and her political acumen, particularly as a black woman, meant that she knew she was seen as a threat. She had to endure harassment and aggressive surveillance from the state. She was arrested on numerous occasions for un-American activities. Eventually, she was convicted of advocating for the overthrow of the government. She was fined $2,000 and imprisoned for a year on Ellis Island, an experience which exacerbated the severe health issues she had had since she had suffered tuberculosis as a child. At the age of 36, she suffered her first heart attack whilst in prison, probably brought on by the stress of her court cases. Despite serving her time and being a legal resident of the US, she was a foreign-born person and upon her release in 1955, she faced deportation back to Trinidad. However, there was objection from the colonial governor of the island, who saw her as a threat and was concerned she'd stir up trouble. Instead, she was reluctantly offered residency in the UK, both on humanitarian grounds and in the belief that the British government would be able to keep a close eye on her. Despite protests from supporters, she was deported to England, where she would spend the rest of her life. In Britain, she was met with hostility by the Communist Party, perhaps threatened by this articulate and confident black woman. With no support from them, she decided to make her own way, but London in the 1950s came as a shock to her. The West Indian community here, who regarded themselves as loyal British subjects, had arrived with hope in their hearts of a better life and found they were often treated with suspicion and resentment. Viewed as second-class citizens who faced discrimination and insidious racism, they found it hard to find accommodation, rents were extortionate and when they found work it was menial and for low wages. Claudia became involved in the British African Caribbean community, organising access to basic facilities and becoming an important part of the early movement for equal rights. She was supported by friends including her mentor, the great performer and activist Paul Robeson. She campaigned against racism in housing, education and employment and she addressed peace rallies and the Trade Union Congress. She travelled widely and on a visit to China met leader Mao Zedong. She campaigned against the Commonwealth Immigrants Bill, which was proposed in order to make it harder for non-whites to migrate to Britain, and campaigned too for the release of Nelson Mandela. 
She believed that people needed a means to express themselves, so with this in mind she founded and edited the West Indian Gazette in Brixton, a newspaper which gave voice to London's Caribbean community. By 1958, the Notting Hill area had developed a reputation as run-down and dangerous and housing was dilapidated. Residents were often at the mercy of unscrupulous and sometimes criminal landlords and competition for housing between local black and white families meant tensions had been rising. Mobs of white teddy boys had started attacking black residents in the area. The police intervened to drive the mobs off the streets, but it was too little too late. By this time, black people were scared to go out in the streets for fear of attack and then they would only venture out in groups. The avowed fascist Oswald Mosley was seen as an instigator of the attacks. Only months later, in May 1959, the young black man Kelso Cochran would be set upon by a gang of white youths and murdered purely for the colour of his skin. No one would ever be charged for the murder. The black community had had enough and violence erupted which also spread to Nottingham in the Midlands and the rioting continued for two weeks. When the unrest had died down, Claudia identified the need to wash the taste of Notting Hill and Nottingham out of our mouths. And as a response to the riots, she set up a Caribbean carnival committee which was sponsored by the West Indian Gazette. Claudia had long been aware of the vital importance of the arts and the role that they can play in bringing people together. It was staged as a joyous event which would echo the carnival festivals of the Caribbean and bring friends of all races together in unity in defiance of the riots the previous summer. She reached out to her many artistic friends to help her put it together. Those who agreed to help included performers Edric Connor and Cy Grant, singer Cleo Lane, theatre director Joan Littlewood and playwright John Osborne. When you see footage of Claudia speak, we see a serious and committed activist. But the other side of her was fun-loving and vivacious and she loved a party. On the evening of the 30th of January 1959, the BBC televised the first Carnival Cabaret, which took place in St Pancras Town Hall, and proceeds were used to assist the payment of fines of those involved in the Notting Hill riots. A souvenir brochure was produced which proclaimed, A people's art is the genesis of their freedom. It is generally believed that whilst Claudia did not dream up the carnival all on her own, she was certainly responsible for the adoption of the idea. She aimed to show the white community that the West Indians were a sophisticated people who wanted to share their culture in order to help heal the wounds of recent months. A central feature of the early carnivals was the beauty contest for carnival queens. Today, in the 21st century, we might find the idea of a beauty contest difficult, but these were different times. Claudia recognised that since slavery, beauty had been oppressed in black people. She designed the contest because she wanted women of colour to reclaim that which had been lost and to show them how beautiful they were. It proved to be a popular move and the contests attracted sponsorship and they were often a career springboard for the contestants. For the next few years, Carnival was held indoors in the British winter to be timed with the Carnivals in the Caribbean. But in 1965, after Claudia's death, local community activist Ron Laslett was responsible for taking Carnival onto the streets when she introduced a week-long Notting Hill street festival 
a parade with steel bands and brightly coloured costumes which would celebrate the different cultural backgrounds of local residents. The carnival, as we know it today, was born. By her mid-forties, Claudia had already suffered two heart attacks, constant lung problems, and as a heavy smoker, she perhaps knew that hers would not be a long life. And yet this did not seem to trouble her as she travelled around the world speaking and promoting equality. She worked without pay, tirelessly, and despite her ill health, she kept going, working to improve the lives of others and taking a stand against the political and economic system around the world. By 1964, Claudia was living in a small flat in Gospel Oak, North London. One morning, her neighbour, having seen no sign of her on Christmas Day or the day after, knocked on the door several times, but there was no answer. Concerned, he broke in and found her lying in bed. Her book was still in her hand and her reading glasses were in place. Claudia had died of a massive heart attack at the age of only 49. On the 9th of January 1965, on what apparently was a wet and cheerless day, friends gathered at the Chapel of Rest on the corner of Finchley Road, North London. After the service, a great funeral procession made its way to the crematorium. At the front of the procession was a huge banner which read, World People Unite for Freedom and Peace. The day was a celebration of her life. The following month, her ashes were interred at Highgate Cemetery, next to the grave of Karl Marx. Claudia Jones was charismatic, intelligent and powerful. A woman who saw what was wrong in the world and worked hard to change it. Above all, she wanted to improve the lives of those around her, and though seriously committed, she could also be funny and was full of life and vivacity. She did so much in her short life, and the world is a richer place for her presence within it. So thank you, Claudia Jones. May your legacy of activism and cultural celebration live on. And when the carnival parting is allowed to begin again on the streets of Notting Hill, may all those who revel remember this remarkable woman and the reason it all began. Thank you for listening to the Women Inspire podcast. If you'd like to know more about Claudia Jones, then please see the show notes on the podcast page of our website, womeninspire.co.uk, where you can read our blogs and find details of our up-and-coming events. If you've enjoyed the podcast, I'd really appreciate you leaving a review and help me to spread the word. Join me next time to hear the story of the pioneering and courageous nurse who saved countless lives, but ultimately sacrificed her own. In the meantime, all the best until then. 